Good morning, everybody. If you are joining it with us, uh, whether you're here in the, uh, in the house or at home, uh, if you let us know uh, where you're joining us from, you can do so at the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. Uh, there you can uh, find the link for the connection card. You can also find a link there for the giving uh, portal as well. And uh, kind of a one-stop shop there if you uh, want to uh, let us know a prayer request or anything going on with you. A good way for us to kind of stay connected and um, communicate back and forth there. Uh, today's sermon message is leaders go first. Leaders go first. I looked at my sheet because usually I write up on top there and I didn't. Sometimes it means I then forget, and, but uh, uh, I, I remembered all of a sudden. So leaders go first. So you can follow along at the Version Bible app and uh, find Church of Christ at Hagerstown. Follow that there. You can follow along with sermon notes online there. Before we go any further, let's, let's pause and do that. Father, we thank you uh, for today. At the time that we can gather as your people in your house and, and sing praises to you, Father, we can declare you as king, as Lord uh, over all, of, over our lives, over our world. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would uh, make yourself more uh, aware to us, that we might uh, follow more in step with you, that we would, uh, um, Father, we would make you the Lord of each day, that we would put aside uh, our ideals and, and, and our plans and and lay them at your feet and allow us to be led and guided by you. Well, I pray that today as we open up your word, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us guidance uh, into uh, how to live and how to uh, lead our church and lead our families well. Father, we pray that you would uh, be with the Shirk family. Father, we pray for John, that you would uh, continue to help him uh, recover and uh, help uh, his family in the days ahead to, to support him and, and encourage him. Um, over uh, what lies, still lies ahead. Father, we thank you that you are our healer and that you watch over us and care for us. You know how our bodies were meant to be knit together. And Father, we thank you that you've made us uh, just as you have. Father, use us to glorify you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we get started, uh, uh, pastor, author, leadership expert, John Maxwell uh, has been quoted as saying, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And the more I study and look at churches and organizations, the more I find this to be true, that as the leader goes, so goes the organization. And so every year I try to read a number of different books on leadership, and some of them from the Christian world and some of them from, uh, from the business world, uh, to, to just to, to help grow my leadership so I can best lead and influence the direction of the church. And like I said, I don't just read leadership from a church perspective because sometimes the best thoughts and ideas on leadership come from those who have little or no faith background at all. And so you begin to take some of those and how does that then apply to, to our situation? And one of my favorite leadership authors is a man named Patrick Lencioni. And he is a, a devout Catholic. And through his uh, work through his writings and through his podcasts and his, his speaking events, he actively and subtly encourages leaders both in the church and in the marketplace to lead like Jesus. Lead like Jesus. And, and he says that Jesus' model for leadership is one of servant leadership. And he goes, my, my, the, the, the purpose of my, uh, of my organization, the purpose of my leadership is, is to remove the need to call have servant leadership be a different type of leadership. He goes, he goes, there really truly is no other type of leadership than servant leadership. And so he, like I said, through his writings, through his work, he 
uh, actively tries to help others see uh, how to lead like Jesus showed us in the New Testament. It's interesting, though, that when, when, I, when others hear that I'm a minister, they begin to think that I have like full reign of the church, that, that I am like president and CEO of the Church of Christ at Hagerstown, and, and that, that I just like get to boss and rule everything. And, and it's interesting in that even while uh, my name might appear uh, you know, at the top or near the top of many different, like if we actually had organizational charts and different things, my name might appear at or near the top on several different ones. Um, I don't believe that it's right for my name to be there alone. God knew that leadership for his church was so important that to protect the church and help grow the church, it was so important to do more than just put it on the shoulders of one person alone. And so he designed and prescribed offices in different positions to provide for the care and the direction of his church, of his body. And instead of creating these structures to be placed on the shoulders of one individual, he created uh, a situation where there was a plurality of leaders, where the church would receive the best care and direction. Positions not just for anyone to attain, but those that would meet specific qualifications. And in, in, in place, uh, the, the specific qualifications are, were in place, got put in place for those who were aspiring to step up and to lead in these certain ways. They need to be weighed, they need to be tested before being ordained and installed and placed as positions of leadership in the church. And so Paul, he's writing to Timothy. And he's like, Timothy, you need, you need to get, build up the leaders. And this is what the leaders ought to be like. If, if, if the leaders don't meet these qualifications, we need to remove them and, and, and build up and install leaders that, that are like this. And so he begins to uh, put out a list. He kind of writes about what the leader ought to look like. And we find this in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we're going to look at the first uh, 13 verses of 1 Timothy 3 today. And in all the writings of the New Testament, this is the clearest and most concise and, and, uh, and most exhaustive discussion of leadership in the local church. We, there, there's different discussions, there's different uh, pictures and, and actions in other places, but here Paul really boils it down uh, to what is most necessary. This is where we get to see what, what God really truly finds as important in leadership for his church. What kind of person, what kind of credentials, uh, what, what is necessary to be a leader in God's church. And one thing that you'll notice is that as, as you just listen to the list, that none of them are distinctly Christian. None of them are distinctly Christian. If you, it, you know, it's hard for us, maybe if you've been in the church for a while, to to, to listen to these and not see them with a Christian bent. But if we just, if we turn off uh, that and just listen to the description, we go, you know what? That's how we'd want our politicians to be. That's how we want the leaders of our, of our businesses to be. Because none of these are distinctly Christian. This is how, the leaders, how we want leaders in our, in our homes and in our companies. And our business. This, is, this is just a good description of what good leadership looks like. And Paul says, Good leadership ought to be found in the church. It ought to be found among those who confess Jesus as Savior. So what does God want in a leader for his church? He says this, Here is a trustworthy saying, If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. 
Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband, but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, but violent, no, no, not violent, but gentle. Got to make sure you put the knot in the right spot and the butt in the right spot because <laughs> yeah, we want them to be violent, not gentle. No, 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 no. Not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that the children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so he will not fall into into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, are to be men worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives are, are to be women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be the husband of but one wife, must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. As we look, we see that God has established two separate offices, two distinct positions, two distinct offices necessary for the health and the growth of a God-honoring church. Both are needed. Both are necessary. And different churches may use different names for these same positions. Uh, they, they, they may call them slightly different things, uh, whether they want to uh, use the Bible names or use something that, that might be uh, a little bit more um, uh, 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 clear or understandable maybe to those who, who wouldn't have as, as a deep of, of Bible understanding. But without individuals to serve in these roles, the church will find it difficult to fulfill their ministry. And so some churches, uh, there, there are some churches that may be new enough. We, we, there, there's uh, been a huge uh, growth in church planting in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And sometimes there are some churches that are so new, they're so, uh, that, that, that are, have just started, that they don't yet have uh, people in place who would, who would really truly fulfill these roles. And so in those situations, a lot of times they're grooming people. A lot of times there's an outside organization that might, or an outside a group of uh, leaders who would uh, provide some of this oversight uh, in the life of the church until the church is then ready to, to raise up uh, leaders of their own. The, the, the first qualification in, some, in, in all this is there's this, this, this qualification of aspiration. That whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. And so of all, of all the descriptions, of all the qualifications in this chapter, this is the only one that has nothing to do with character. All, everything else we read about has everything to do with character. And what we find about this is that there's, there's two sides of this coin. One, there's the side of desire. There's a side of aspiration. But if you have desire and aspiration but no character, you're disqualified. Yeah, it, 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 just because you desire it, it may be a noble thing you desire, but, but there are certain things you have, you know, I, I, I desired growing up to be a professional athlete. And at some point along the way, my qualifications 
no longer met up, right? Yeah, there were not Division One schools calling and saying, "Hey, we need a, a short a white guy who shoots very poorly, uh, but but will hustle." Uh, uh, and, and we we need we need this guy on our team. No, no one was calling. No one was knocking down my door, uh, giving me wanted to give me money to go to, to college to play basketball. Though my dad did have a dream at one point that Coach Mike Shashevsky of Duke University came to one of my uh, junior high games and offered me a scholarship. Um, that dream did not come true. Um, now, there are certain qualifications in my life that didn't rise up and say, they didn't say you, want, you want, you're not really going to fit the bill to be a professional baseball player, to be a, a, a professional basketball player. I just didn't fit in the same, you know, though, though my heart was there, I wanted to. And that somehow, you know, just because we desire something doesn't necessarily mean we always qualify for something. And so uh, God says, hey, there, there's two pieces. There's aspiration and there's character. If you have character, if you, if you, man, I, I, if you look at people and go, man, they fit all these character pieces, but they don't have the desire to fill the position. They may have a different calling. They may have a different calling. In their life. They, they, they may actually be leading and not knowing it. Yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe, you know, some of those people that, 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 that they don't, they may not sit necessarily in seats of of leadership positions, but you know that they are leading from wherever they're at. And so their character shines through. Their character leads from whatever, from whatever place they sit in the organization. And so God says there's, there's these two pieces. There's these two pieces of this leadership puzzle. One is aspiration and one is character. If you, if you have aspiration but no character, you're not going to be a good leader for the church. But if you have character but no aspiration for the position, you're probably leading God's church somehow, like God would say. And the, 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 there's a word here, this word for overseer. This word for overseer is one of the biblical words for elder. And so there, there, there's some, this, this one it means that to, to, literally means to watch over. The role of the elder, the role of the overseer is to watch over God's body. Watch over the, the, the church of God. That they, they would uh, provide a guidance and direction and teaching some of these other things, the, the other qualifications that we'll get into. Uh, some other ones uh, refer to age. Uh, so one, one of the other biblical words for elder, it, it really speaks of one who's, who's aged. And so there is, a, there is a maturity, both maybe physically and in, in wisdom, uh, that, that, that is there. And also there, there is another one, and uh, Mark uh, alluded to so well uh, with his communion meditation today, the picture of a shepherd. picture of a shepherd as one who walks among the sheep and gives care and guidance to the flock. And throughout the New Testament, throughout especially the writings of Paul, we get this picture of a, that God's church is a body, that God's church is a flock. And these descriptions used in, in, in Scripture to attach to the church give us kind of a picture of, of, of what the leaders ought to be like, that they ought to, to watch over the body, that they ought to care for its members as a shepherd would its sheep. And so what kind of character ought one to have to aspire to be an elder? Paul says that the elder must be above reproach. Above reproach. And there's this understanding uh, of, of this word that, that, that means that there's nothing in this person's life that people can hold on to, that people could grab onto, that to, to live a life without handles. 
Uh, the, the understanding is that there's nothing that, 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 that a person in a person's life that evil could grab onto and hold onto. It doesn't mean that the leaders of the church are perfect. We, we all have clay feet. We, 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 none of us is perfect, but there's nothing in our lives, nothing in the life of the leader that would trip them up. And this would be a great qualification for, for those in political life, right? And this is a qualification that they would have for their, their politicians. And, and, and if you think uh, that the, if we feel persecuted sometimes as Christians these days, our persecution now feels nothing like the persecution they had back then. And so the church was this minority sect, this minority group. And so of all the people in all the world, if they want their, 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 their body to make an influence in their world, they needed leaders that public slander could not be mentioned against them. Even more so than the politicians around them. So Paul's like, Paul's like we need, we need uh, people in place who are above reproach. Above reproach. That, they, 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 that, that evil, that, that, that those around us cannot grab on to them. He used to be faithful to his wife. Literally, this means a one-woman man. Now, while polygamy was not practiced in Roman culture, uh, bigamy was. There, there, there was an, an adultery even more. And so there was a very loose uh, sexual morals uh, in uh, the, the Roman culture. And so one thing Paul says, Paul says come from God, the, the leaders of God's church, they need to hold on to a, a, a very strict moral code with this. That, that, uh, that they need to be uh, uh, married to just one wife. This qualification presupposes marriage. It was helpful in standing against false teachers who were beginning to, to, to speak against marriage. They were opposing marriage, saying, Jesus is coming back here soon, so there's no need for us to get married because we just need to remain pure just to Jesus. And Paul's like, yes, Jesus is coming back, but until then, we, he, would, he wants us to continue on in, in this way. And in, in, in a world where um, there was uh, uh, adultery and scandal and all sorts of things, that they said, Paul's like, it's best if the leader is married and married to just one wife. Now, this phrase, husband of one wife, refers to one's current marital status and behavior. This has been understood from the being, especially with, um, uh, with, the, with the, the, the bigamy that was practiced, with, um, with the, the, the different mores, uh, morals that were uh, going on in the first century. A validly divorced person who remarried would also be considered a husband of one spouse. And so uh, this has been the understanding of Scripture throughout, um, throughout time. Uh, sometimes we've held more tightly to that and have um, maybe uh, declared others disunqualified because of this. But there are even those who were among the leadership of, of the type of the branch of churches that we are a part of that started way back, like in the 17, 1800s, their understanding of this verse was that those who were validly divorced and were remarried and were currently married to one wife only and devoted to one wife only at that time would be eligible, would be qualified as an elder. They go on 
And there's several qualifications in here that just deal with how we deal with people. You know, you, you, you don't want a leader. You don't want a, a leader in the church who's a jerk, right? Yeah, it's like, man, if there's a leader in the church who's a jerk, there's probably, a, uh, that's probably a church that's probably not growing. They're like, man, they got some jerky leadership, right? And so he's like, hey, we, they should be self-controlled. They should be tempered. They should be respectable people. They should be hospitable. They should be willing to have people in their house and, and, and fun to be around. Uh, they, not given to drunkenness, not violent. We, we, we want to be gentle. We want them not to fight with people. We don't want them to, to, to be hungry after money. There's just certain qualifications in here. Man, we just kind of raise that level of, of nice guy, of nice person. This is what we want our leaders to be like. They need to be hospitable to be the people so they can show them God's love. There's certain behaviors that we're like, man, if we saw some of these behaviors just in our life, we'd go, man, maybe they're not even a Christian, right? And so some of these are just qualifications we'd see in Christian life in general. If, if someone was being greedy for money, uh, given to the abuse of alcohol, they would obviously show that there needs some further maturity in their life if they were to lead the church. And then they're kind of in this whole group, in this whole connection, collection of qualifications. There's this one that says, able to teach. Able to teach. And, and, and this is an important one as an elder of the church, or one who's to lead and to guide and to instruct in doctrine and in spiritual teaching. They must be someone who can both lead someone to Christ, but then also help raise them in maturity as a believer as well. The, the one place where this is most evident is in their home. And we see, hey, they need to lead and manage their home well. And so do they lead their home in a way? Do they teach their children? Do they teach their family what is right and what is true? Do they lead and manage their homes and families well? Over the last couple chapters, we've, we've seen how God has placed men in the position of leadership in the home. God asked, you know, even though uh, Eve ate the fruit first, God asked Adam first, what happened, right? So Eve was the one who ate first, but, but God didn't come saying, Eve, what'd you do? Came to Adam and said, Adam, what happened? Adam, being a coward, uh, didn't step up to protect his wife. She ate and then was even more of a coward to God and said, well, this woman you gave me, she did it, Right? So instead of Adam stepping in, he, Adam didn't lead his family well, and thus sin entered our world. See, God puts the responsibility to lead the church and the home and the care of men, not because women are unable, because he has assigned that primary task and responsibility to men to lead the way to guide and guard and protect their family, to protect the family of God. So when it comes to protecting the church, God says, hey, these leaders, they, they need not be recent converts. I'm going to go to the next one at some point. Yeah, thank you, Lonnie. They need not be recent converts. Because, they, because if all of a sudden you go from like the bottom, from like new to, to, to leading real quick, you, you can become prideful. And um, so much of sin is based on pride. And 
And there's this, they become prideful. They make think, hey, look what I've done. Look, it's about me. Look, they want me. And look, all of a sudden, they've been waiting for me to arrive. They need to be tested for a while. They need to experience faith. They need to grow in their faith because a leader can't lead someone to some place they've never been. And so if someone's rushed into leadership, they may become conceited and consider themselves great instead of realizing that the position that they are in is all based on the grace of God. Grace of God working in their life. Pride can be a powerful trap in the life of the leader. And when one begins, when one begins to think greater, more greatly about themselves, Satan can use that to flip the script in the life of a believer and wreck the influence of that leader. There's another position. You have the position of elder, the position of overseer, uh, who provides more, um, more, more oversight and direction and, and, and leadership in that. But there's other position that's just as helpful, and that is the position of, of, of deacon. Of deacon. And the deacon comes from the Greek word to serve. And the individuals uh, whose ministry is to serve the church as well as helping the church serve the community that they are a part of. And, and the first example that we see of, of what might be deacons in the church happens in Acts chapter 6. That the church is growing uh, really fast in Jerusalem and as, they, as they've grown, so have the needs of the community. Remember there, kind of this small sect and oftentimes as, as they would leave the Jewish synagogue and join the church, a lot of their financial support would get cut. A lot of their help and assistance was cut off. And so all of a sudden there's this great need in the church. And, and so all of a sudden there was this great need among the, the, the widows in the, there in the first century. And, and they're, they're, people kept coming to the, the, the disciples who were kind of the apostles who were serving as kind of the elders of the church there in Jerusalem and saying, Hey, we need help with this. We need help with this. And they're like, we, we can go and meet that need, but that's going to take time away from, the teaching we need to do, the leadership we need to do of, 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 the, of, the, of the church here in Jerusalem. And they, they look at the people and they said, look among yourselves and find men who are worthy of, who are full of the spirit and full of wisdom. Find men who are full of wisdom and the spirit and bring them to us. And they brought to them uh, several men and, and, and they placed them in charge of the daily distribution of food to these widows who were in need. They began to serve and to meet the needs of the church. And so this word deacon comes from this, this idea of, of service. And Paul says, hey, hey, deacons, well, they, just like the elders, they need to be worthy of respect. They need to be sincere, not indulging in, 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 in money, not indulging in wine. They, uh, can you hit that next one there, Lonnie? And, uh, they, they, they need to they need to be worthy. They, they, they need to really, on one level, be just like the, the elders. Any people that we look up to and say, "Hey, we want to be like them." We, 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 they, they, they need to have a certain type of character. And Paul enumerates some of these. They, they, likewise, they need not be greedy, not, be, not, not abuse alcohol. And, and with these positions, as throughout Scripture, it's not the absence from alcohol. But that is not, there's not an overindulging, there's not an abuse of it. So sometimes, in different times throughout uh, 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 history, we've placed greater emphasis or greater weight on certain of these things. What scripture says is not 
the use of, but the abuse and overindulgence in. And then here, it can get a little tricky. The, uh, over the years, this, this next verse has been uh, debated and, and, and discussed in certain different ways because of how uh, these words are translated. The, the, the New International Version 1984 that I read from, it says that Paul makes a distinction uh, that uh, is, is speaking about the wives of the wives of the deacons. You can go to the next slide for me. And, but the words that are used don't necessarily designate just wives. It could be women. It could be women. And so it says, and this is uh, uh, NIV 2011. Uh, some of your versions may read uh, differently as well. But Paul speaks about women. And it's interesting because if it, if it distinctly calls out just the deacon's women, the deacon's wives, why did they not also speak to specifically the elder's wives? It could have been that uh, maybe there was a problem with, maybe some of the deacon's wives were, were, were raising some dissension, were doing some things that were not helpful. But it could have also been that in some churches, women were per- permitted to serve as deacons in the church because uh, the word deacon means serve. In fact, if, if line goes to the next slide, Paul refers to this lady, Phoebe, who's in the church of Centria. He says, Phoebe, a deacon in the church. And really, and when he uses that sentence, when he writes that, he uses the same form of deacon as he would if he was talking about a man. And so, whether it's the wives or whether it's women who serve as deacons, these qualifications are helpful. That they would be respectable. That they would not be malicious talkers. That they would be temperate. That they would be trustworthy. As I mentioned last week, women play an important role in the church in advancing the gospel, advancing the mission of the church, whether it be in an actual position or whether it be just through their lifestyle and their service back to God. And so after that little paragraph, after that little little, little thing that Paul Paul writes there, he goes back to speaking primarily to uh, the men. And uh, you can go to the next slide. Paul says, uh, a deacon must be faithful to his wife. So the same thing. He must manage his children. He must manage his household well. And so the, the, the same sort of thing. We, 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 you watch in someone's life how they act, how they serve, how they live, what they say and what they do. Obviously, you go, that's probably how they're going to be in, in leadership. That's probably how they're going to be in these other situations. When you see them long enough and they've been testing their life long enough, you begin to see, here's how they are. This is what their character is like. And Paul says, if, they are, if they've been tested, if they've been tested well, they can become deacons. They're, they're, they're to take on this responsibility of leadership to serve as examples for the rest of the body. The elders and deacons are to lead the church well and to set an example of spiritual growth, discipleship, evangelism, and service. That both positions are to do fulfill those tasks in various different ways. In this, we see that leaders go first. Leaders go first. That the, the leaders don't push others in front and go, oh, no, you go and do that. No, because where do we learn about how to serve those who are around us? Where do we learn about how to, um, uh, who, who first washed the disciples' feet? Jesus, who first did the difficult 
thing. Jesus, who laid down his life first? Jesus. Leadership is not for the faint of heart. But leadership, especially church leadership, is not about fame or position or power. See, when people think that I somehow have, like, like I just get to rule and, 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 and I might just get to, to boss over the entire church, they see the traditional leadership pyramid as being how the church has its organization set up as well. The world sees the power pyramid as something you climb until you get to the top, and then you have others do the work who are below you. But Jesus said that those lead in his service are not to lord it over others like the Gentile leaders. That we don't rise to power. Leadership isn't about climbing a ladder. It's about lowering yourself into a position of service. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So our example of leadership, the pattern we follow, isn't that I run the church. That I am placed in position as one serves. In the position I am, my, 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 my job is to make sure that scripture is taught accurately, taught rightly. That even if we don't always agree with it, we do not conform Scripture to our liking. We conform ourselves into the example found in Scripture. And where we fail, that's where Scripture shows us our need for a Savior. That our ultimate leader laid down his life so that we may take on his righteousness. He died in our place so we might live forever with him. Leader in the church, my job, my primary role is to make much of him. He must become greater and I must become less. Maybe today, maybe today through something we have said, something we have done that you, you, know, you, you feel you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. You need to experience forgiveness and grace through him and, and enter into baptism into him. And we want to help you take your next steps in your faith journey. So if you need to take your, that first step today, let us know. You can do so by filling out the connection card at cchmd.com connect. You can also, uh, on there, you if you click the box, become a Christian, it will send us a message and we will get back to you immediately. You can also text the word LIFE to 240-347-0897. Whether we fill formalized uh, positions of leadership in the church or not. We, we, we all need to seek to live a life worthy of respect, worthy of the gospel to which we have given ourselves, to strive to manage our households well so we can help others find their way back to Jesus and grow maturity. We may never, you, you may never fulfill an official role of leadership in the church. I think God calls us to lead some. And if we are to lead people closer to Jesus, these qualifications ought to be making themselves more and more evident and more and more real in our life as we point others to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has saved us, that he has made a way for us to come back home to you. Father, we want to pray for our leaders. Father, I pray for the leaders of our country. Father, who guide and, and lead uh, our nation. And while we may not agree with them in their positions, 
Father, you would give them wisdom to make the best decisions possible to help our country uh, be safe and secure and to grow and to be a positive influence in the world around us. Father, I pray for uh, the leaders of, uh, of our local governments, that they would help us to have um, uh, places that can thrive, Father, places where families uh, can be strong, places where families can grow, places where families can feel safe, our children can be well-educated, that uh, they can grow up to be um, uh, in, in safe places, that they might know, uh, continue to know the freedoms that we have had. Father, I pray that you would help us as a church. That even as we may disagree with those who are around us, help us to uh, disagree agreeably. That we might uh, be able to uh, win others over, not because of the uh, tenaciousness of our arguments, but because of your love at work in us. Father, I pray that you would help us to lead well in our homes. That we would uh, manage our households well. That we would uh, be Places, we'd have houses of peace. Father, places where, where people who are hurting and, and, and looking and longing for something different, that they might find it in our homes, in relationships with us, that we might have a positive, a positive reputation among outsiders, that we might point, be able to, through that influence, point others to know Jesus. Father, you are so good. Father, you love us. You sent your very best. You sent Jesus to die for us. While we were lost, while we were far from you, while we were your enemies, you sought us out. And you uh, helped us. You brought back home. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. And we're glad that you joined us, whether here in the house or at home. We hope that you have a great week. And we'll see Sunday.